You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Bezras Hashem, we're going to be starting a new series of Shirim tonight. And the series of Shirim is going to be called The Inner World of Recovering. Now, much like the Shirim that we gave on the inner world of addiction, there are a few service announcements that need to be made prior to entering into the discussion about recovering, and specifically recovering as a verb, as opposed to recovery as a noun. And that is that on a certain level, recovery is a specific action associated with the particular form of illness referred to as addiction. And when a person moves out of their addiction, when a person moves out of whatever substance abuse, whatever stuckness they find themselves in, and they learn how to get the help that they need, and they begin to ascend out of their despondency, their stuckness, so it's referred to as being in recovery. But like we said in the Shirman addiction, there is certainly a line of argument, a line of thinking that allows us to understand that it's not only those who are afflicted with the actual condition of addiction who can find themselves within the realm or the wisdom that addiction offers us, but rather each and every one of us on a certain level within ourselves lives within a space referred to as the potential towards addiction. Meaning to say the fact that we are not addicted to some destructive substance that creates real consequences in our lives to the extent that actual treatment is needed, doesn't take away the possibility of finding ourselves, encountering our nakuda of the self within the theory of addiction. So too, when it comes to recovery, that while not everybody is in actual recovery from a substance abuse addiction, from a behavioral addiction, from some sort of process addiction, which included psychological dependency, psychic dependency, physical dependency, God forbid. Nevertheless, all of us can find ourselves in the world of recovering because each and every one of us find ourselves stuck in some place in our lives, stuck within some form of behavior, some maladaptive activity that we engage in, whether it be an activity of the mind, an activity of the heart, or an activity of the body, whose sole purpose it is to help us escape from our situatedness. And as we said in the Shiraman addiction, the general impulse behind any addictive tendency, behind any movement away from the self through chemistry, is rooted in the desire for transcendence, is rooted in the ability to get higher than one already is, to escape the confines of this worldliness, to escape whatever it is that goes bump in the heart of the individual, whatever anxiety, whatever discomfort it is. And so recovery is going to be moving down into the midst of life. As we're going to see, the inner world of recovering is really the inner world of tshuva. It's the path of tshuva. 
It's the engine that moves all things from the stuckness into the freedom that they seek. It's the motivation of the body, of the soul, of that which is confined to the lowly realms of experience. And it's that surging forth within the spirit, unconsciously, consciously, that we all experience in one way or another, that is the world of recovering. Recovering is uncovering that which was present beforehand. All of us come from someplace. We all come from something that has already happened. Bereshis bara elokim. We know that the Torah HaKadosha starts off with Bereshis. It starts off with the Os Beis. And the Arizal tells us and the Zohar tells us that the reason the Torah starts off with the Os Beis is because there is always already something that has preceded the beginning. There's always a silent aleph that rests just beyond the cusp of our consciousness that we can't quite reach back towards. We may have some sort of distant unconscious recollection of that space, of that experience, of that time, of that sense. Yet nevertheless, in spite of all of our best efforts to return back to the origin, back to the aleph, back to that place of silence, we can only come close enough to it to realize that we can't quite reach it. The Zohar HaKadosh, when it describes the Ha'aretz Ha'isat Sohu V'vohu V'ruach Al-Panei Tahom V'ruach Al-Kim R'achepas Al-Panei Hamayim Rashi points out, based on the Sefer Bahir and the Zohar teaches the same exact idea, that Ha'isa Tohu V'vohu Haisa implies a past sense. It means that the world was already in a state of desolation. And the Zohar HaKadosh has a, a beautiful, poetically evocative language where it says that this beforehand is mekadmat dana, that the tohu vavohu, the chaos of the world, the chaos of the self, the chaos of an individual who finds themselves stuck in whatever thing they find themselves stuck in, is always after something has taken place. A sense of afterwardness. What happened before? What is this? We don't know. Rashi tells us by the Akedah that we don't know what it means. By Eov, we don't know what it means. Something happened. And we find ourselves after the storm, after things have gotten messy, after something went wrong, and we find ourselves in the dust. The Ramchal in Mesil Sishara makes this explicitly clear in the first parak, when he says that a person in this world needs to view themselves as if they are thrown into a pre-existing battle, which means that we're tossed into a space where the bullets are already whizzing by our heads. There's already something that got broken, something that went wrong. Something happened. Why did it happen? How did it happen? We don't know how or why it happened. We don't know what it is that happened. Each of us carry that silent memory of something. Some people remember exactly what it was. Some people are blessed to not have experienced anything real. But all of us are on a certain level, at least on a non-clinical basis, post some sort of breaking, post some sort of trauma. We find ourselves always already in the space of something having departed, having lost some infinite thing, which means that the essential phenomenological posture of the individual in this world is one of trying to return back to something that is no longer present, trying to retrieve something that was here, but no longer expresses itself. We know it by way of distant memory, a memory that is so ancient that we can't even remember that we remember. This is the mood that you find very clearly in the stories of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. 
because this is the world that Rabbi Nachman of Breslov prepared us to encounter, that Rabbi Nachman's stories always start off after some terrible calamity, some terrible decision that was made by a king who was Gozer Shmad. He prevented people from engaging in religiosity. There was a father who got mad at his daughter and cast her away. There was a ball that took place and children got lost behind. Something just outside of the horizon of our minds, out of the frame of the narrative has taken place. Now, for us, it's very important to understand that what has happened, what has tossed us into where we find ourselves, what has created the battle that we find ourselves in, that the Ramchal describes, that's not as important as the recognition that this is the space that we're thrown into. That to be in the world, to be a human being, as we've discussed and will continue to discuss, is always already to be a subject who is caught up in a form of concealment. Because the very word of reality itself, the word olam, shares an etymological root with he'elem, with concealment, with something being removed from the scene, with some trace reminding us that some original presence was once here, but now it's gone, leaving us to <coughs> search around in the dark. That is the condition of what it means to be human. The condition of what it means to be human is to always be yearning to return back to something. And it's that attitude that all of us encounter in our lives when we try and turn over a new leaf, when we try and make a new decision to redirect our lives in some way or some form or some fashion. Reduced to its irreducible kernel, the nature of addiction is a stuckness that a person finds themselves in, which serves as the platform to propel us out of it. There's a resurgence of the self. There's an awakening within the self that says, I want to leave this place that I'm in. I can't stay here anymore. This place with this stuckness and this chametz that has emerged in my life, those things in my life that have been around for too long that I've tried to let go of, but have been incapable of letting go of, those things that cause those odors in my life, those things that I need to hide, those things that I'm embarrassed of, those things that I can't even express to myself, let alone to my higher power, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in conversation, in dialogue, in Hisbodidus. All of us, no matter where we find ourselves, have something that needs to be let go of. That's the nature of being human. We carry things. We carry burdens. That's what it means to be human. This is not a symptom. This is not a deviation from the norm, but rather this is the very nature of what it means to be human. Famously, there's a famous teaching, a teaching that's very close to my heart. And it was a teaching that was given over in a conversation between the Chazon Ish, somebody who we're going to meet very often in these classes on recovery. Chazon Ish was a lahavdil, even if you take away the Torah from his writings, he was a profoundly powerful stoic psychologist teaching cognitive therapy way before cognitive therapy was being discussed. But Chazanish was having a conversation with another tzaddik in Bnei Brak, the Bal Hasulam of Yehudaleib Ashlag, and one of the Vortlach that the Bal Hasulam told over to the Chazanish in their conversation was on the Pasuk by Yisachar. Yisachar, the Pasuk says, Vayar menucha kitov. Yisachar sees that calmness is good, that comfort is good, that things being easy is good. And the Pasan continues and it ends where it says, and therefore vayat sichmo lispel. And because he saw calmness and it was good, 
So Yisachar girded himself, he strengthened himself to carry the burden and to bear the burden of what it meant to be human. And the Balasulam asks a very simple question. The beginning of the Pasuk tells us, and calmness was good. And then in the next step, it says, and because calmness was good, he girded himself for the battle. He girded himself for the journey to bear the burden of being human, to carry the back, the packages, to carry the pekalach. And what the Balasulam says is that Yisachar and all of us and all of our neshamos and all of the goodness that exists within us on a covered level and uncovered level, however we encounter ourselves, he saw that calmness was good. He saw that there was something good in this world and his immediate feeling was to give it back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That we as the recipients of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's goodness and Rachamim, Rabim, and the unbridled goodness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu utilizes to create the world, to run the world, and to eventually bring about the redemptive culmination of the world, that capital G goodness is what Hashem gives us and we want to return it to Him. We want to say thank you. We want to return the gift. We want to be part of the relationship. We don't want that free gift. We don't want to be ashamed when we look HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the face in the future, so to speak. So we want to put effort in and we say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, take this goodness, take this menucha, it's yours. And therefore, once I give you back menucha, I prepare myself to bear the burden of what it means to be a human being. All of us carry our baggage. All of us carry our things and things that are old and things that need to be let aside. And the general feeling that we encounter in life is one of, in the next moment, I'm ready. In the next moment, I'm going to take that step forward. In the next second, in the next day, in the next week, in the next month, in the next year. A Jew, the neshama, is always perpetually anticipating that moment when we can make that healthy decision to let go of that which needs to be let go of and to take the step forward which we have been contemplating and desiring. That propulsion within the self, that that surge forward, even when we're not moving forward, that is the voice of tshuva. That is the movement of tshuva that Rav Kuk tells us is the animating voice of all of existence, that everything screams out tshuva, tshuva, tshuva. Return, recover to that which was beforehand. Come back to that place where things were simpler. Come back to that place where there were no more cheshbonis rabos, but rather it was HaKadosh Baruch who created the human being simple, yashar, return back to simplicity, return back to that which is organic, whether it be a physical tshuva or a spiritual tshuva or a psychological tshuva, the pulsation of tshuva that beats in the heart of every individual, that cry within the self that says, I can be more than I am in this present moment, that is the perpetual call of recovering, that the individual perpetually wants to recover something that was gone, to recover a lost innocence, to recover a lost hope, and we're going to see that it's not simply an act of recovering because every movement forward from the stuckness that we experienced is the opportunity to uncover more and more and more and vistas of infinite strengths that we have within ourselves that we could not have known without the fall into the brokenness, without that fall into the potential of addiction. This is what the Baal Shem Tov and his Tamidim explain based on the teachings of Chazal that tell us that that on every single day there is a call, there is a baskol, there is an invisible, inaudible voice that emerges within the heart, the unconscious spirit of each and every person in the world. And that call tells us that all of those wayward children, all of those who have deviated from their path, deviated from what they want most for themselves, deviated from their natural and organic goodness that exists within the heart of each and every person in the world, irrespective of where they've fallen. 
that that voice, that unconscious voice of shuvu banim shovavim, return you wayward children, is really the hirhure tshuva that emerge within the heart of the individual daily. It's not some voice, it's nothing spiritual or magical or mystical, but rather it is the thoughts of return that we feel all day. We feel all day if we're willing to attune ourselves to it. But Rabbi Nachman, the great doctor of the spirit, who Rabbi Nassim referred to as Haroife Haneeman, he writes to his son Rav Yitzchok in a beautiful letter. He says, Ashrenu the doctor kazeh. Praiseworthy are we that we have such a doctor. Rabbi Nachman understood this call very strongly. He understood that there's a perpetual voice telling us to return, a perpetual movement, a, a pulsation moving forward, a pulsation that wants to be better, to let go of something, to become more than I already am, to let go of that which I'm hiding, to let go of those things which are burdensome on me. Rabbi Nachman said that if we're not ready to listen to that voice within us, that voice begins to sour within us. It begins to fester and it begins to create inner senses of shame and feelings of hypocrisy towards the self, of knowing intuitively where I want to be, whatever step forward I need to encounter in my life, yet at the same point not engaging and trying to silence that voice. And in order to silence those hirure chuva, we find all sorts of ways to cover it over. We search out all sorts of louder noises, that kol hamona shalromi, that boisterous sound of Rome that deafens us from the kol of the hirhure tshuva that emerged from harchoyrev each and every day. And harchoyrev, harchoyrev, the, the mountain of desolation, the mountain of destruction, the mountain of churban, which is also the language of Harsinai, it's specifically from there that that voice emerges. It's specifically in the darkness after the fall. It's specifically when we're on, honest enough with ourselves to take a look around in a moment of truth and realize where we've fallen. And again, fallenness is not some transgressory thing. This is not about badness. There is no badness. This is only about a perpetual movement forward. And on a relative level, every single moment is considered fallen in relationship to the moment that comes next. Every new moment is an opportunity to surge ever so slightly forward in the infinite path closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it's specifically out of HaChoyrev, from those places of desolation in our lives, from the contemplation and the honesty that we allow ourselves to have with ourselves when we truly look at that which is broken in our lives, to truly be mitmodeid with that which needs fixing. This was the call, as we've spoken so often about, that all of the tzaddikim came to teach us. When Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai comes out of his cave, when the Baal HaZohar comes out of his cave, the first thing he asks is, what needs fixing here? What can I fix here? Nobody told Rabbi Shimon that anything was broken. Nobody said to Rabbi Shimon that something had broken, that there was a suffix of Tumas Misa. Nobody told him that. Why was he asking what needs fixing? And the Pashtas is, the simple answer is that it is axiomatic that there's something broken because the world is broken. That's the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. It's a broken place. It's a broke down palace that needs fixing. That's our job. Our job is to fix that which is broken. It's deliberately broken. The, or, the origination of reality came about through a doubled trauma, the trauma of the tzimtzum, the concealment of the infinite light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the secondary trauma of the shattering of the vessels. Those things are not accidental mistakes, God forbid, that a Kaddish Baruch Hu made. God forbid a person should ever think that, but rather these are exactly how a Kaddish Baruch Hu wanted us to live in the world, to find a world that is broken and desolate, to look around and see that there's something that needs fixing. This was the call of all of the tzaddikim. 
Rabbi Nachman himself teaches us, Rabbi Nachman teaches us in the fifth teaching of Lukutim Maharan, something that all of us should know Balpeh, because it speaks to each and every one of us, as if the entire Torah was given over to each and every one of us. Rabbi Nachman says as follows, Kitzarich kol adam lomar, that each and every person has to say to themselves, kol ha'olam lo that the entire world was only created for me, that I am the singular one in existence. And like we've said in the past, this has to be understood in the context of what Lubavitch Rebbe said, that while I have to say that the entire world was created for me, I have to also recognize that the person next to me, that's true for them as well that just as he is periphery in my life because I am the center, so too am I periphery in his life because he's the center. And when we're all able to recognize our mutual dependency in the fact that all of us are most important and least important at the very same moment, then we can live b'shalom with another person without kinatai v'rkavu. Nimtza says, Rabbi Nachman, if the world was created for me. So Rabbi Nachman says, the world is yours. What's the next step? Rabbi Nachman could have said anything. The world is mine, so I can go out and do what I want. The world is mine, so I should search forward and do mitzvahs. That's not what Rabbi Nachman says. What do I find when I recognize that the world is created for me? Because the world is created for me, I have to do three things. I have to search out that which is broken in need of fixing. I have to find the deficiencies and the lacks in the world in order that I attempt to fill them. And I have to pray for the world. I have to pray for myself and pray for the world. What's axiomatic, once again, in the light of the tzaddikim is that once a person comes to terms with the fact that we're human, once a person comes to terms with what it means to be an Evan Hashem, the next step is the question of what can I fix? How can I move forward? And that is the attitude, that is the posture that is going to give birth to all of the classes that we talk about when we talk about recovering. Recovering, the question of recovery is how do I become more than myself in the next moment? How do I ensure that the next moment is something new? Not better. Better or worse are value judgments, but how can I be more? How can I let go of that which holds me back? How can I move forward in my life? How can I choose to be machlit, to make a decision in my life? The question of recovering is also the very central question of free choice. And it's a difficult question to talk about because it's a demanding question. It's the anxiety of responsibility. The existential psychotherapists describe four general themes, four general questions, which cause us to be awake even when we're asleep, that cause us to be ever so slightly uncomfortable when we actually open our eyes and look at the world with eyes open, being mitmoded with the world, gazing unflinchingly at the world. There are four general themes that keep us awake. Death awareness, the fact that we're mortal, the fact that we are singularly as mammals and creatures in this universe, perhaps the only species that is aware of its impending death. And we live our lives as if vai of the nefesh, that I want this moment to last, but I know it won't last. And it puts us into a space of transiency and that gives birth to a lot of anxiety. After death awareness, there is the notion of isolation, of being alone, as Rav Soloveitchik describes so beautifully in Lonely Man of Faith, that his loneliness is not a social loneliness. It's not a loneliness because of a lack of friendship. Adarab, I have many friends, says Rav Soloveitchik. But rather, it's an ontological existential loneliness that even when I'm with another person, even when I'm in a room surrounded by other people and all of their accolades and all of their praises, at the end of the day, there is a 
real emergent foremost fear that I am alone and I can't be understood. And that's true for each and every person. The person is created singularly. This also gives way to what we'll discuss through Rabbi Nachman, which is this transforming that loneliness, that isolation into solitude and bringing Hashem who exists, as Rav Soloveitchik would say, in his own most howling solitude, alone, Yechido Shal Olam, Leis Asar Panimineh, Leis Machshavat Tzvisa Beklal, ungraspable in its isolation. And through the act of learning how to be lonely with HaKadosh Baruch we learn how to talk personally. So death awareness, and there's isolation. Then there's the notion of freedom. The notion of freedom and responsibility is the most difficult of them all. The notion of freedom and responsibility is the realization that if not for me, then no one is going to do it. And this is the call, this is the clarion call of recovering. The secret of recovering is that it is on me to do this. I have to move forward in my life. I have to be machlit. I have to make a decision at each and every moment in my life to do the next right thing, to take on more for myself, to do a little bit more. Od in Russia, to uncover that excess that exists within me that gives me the capacity to surge forward even when I feel that it's impossible. And after, after freedom and responsibility, there's also meaninglessness. But the one that we're going to focus on is the question of responsibility because the world of recovering is the world of Bechira. It means that I have to choose, I have to take upon myself the accountability to be the one who moves forward, to be the one who takes that next step. And it's a perpetual demand, it's a perpetual call to move forward in every moment, to take upon ourselves the willingness to take the next right step and to pull ourselves out, to extricate ourselves ever so slightly from the stuckness that we encounter. So like everything, recovering and tshuva, these are relative states of experience. For one person, learning 18 hours a day is a deficiency because they can be learning 19 hours a day. So tshuva and recovering for that person would be taking on that extra hour. For another person, it's the willingness to get out of bed in the morning. For another person, it's the willingness to try and force oneself and compel the self to be happy in spite of all difficulties in their lives. For another, it's to be kind to their children or to their loved one. For another, it's to be a little bit more honest. For another, it's to eat a little bit less. For another, it's to drink water instead of soda. Each and every person is their own compass. Each and every person is their own universe. And what recovery is for one person is not recovery for another person. And all of the details and the halachos that give birth to recovery with a capital R, which is the process of recovering out of any type of addiction to some sort of behavior or substance, can be applied and disseminated into each and every individual's life, in which sense it means to be ma'atik etatsmi, to remove myself from that which I was stuck in. And as Rabbi Nachman teaches us, that every movement that a person engages in to extricate themselves ever so slightly out of the thickness and the, the muddiness of this world is nachshav as a bria chadasha, is nachshav as an entirely new creation. And that's what recovery is. The demand towards recovery exists at every single moment. Like the call of lech lecha that was moving and echoing throughout all of reality since the beginning of creation, and yet it was only Avram Avinu who was noita his ozen, who attuned himself to hear. 
so too the call of recovering, the call to be more in the next moment than I am in this moment. And again, more is not quantifiable, nor is it, it, it's not about amount. It's not about being more in the sense of doing more, but it's uncovering the vistas of infinitude that give birth to every experience. It's digging down deeper and moving inwards into the recesses of the spirit to uncover and encounter the goodness that exists upon layer after layer after layer. Like Yitzchak Avinu and his digging of the wells to move down deeper into the thickness of this worldliness to uncover the godliness of everything to uncover more layers, to reveal it now. I heard from my Rebbe once in a Shal Shudish of Moshe Weinberger Shlita that he was singing Yedid Nefesh, the love song, a song of recovery, a song of trying to extricate oneself out of isolation and distance from God and to move forward in that intoxicating desire to be close to God. And Rav Weinberger Shlita stopped by the last stanza and he said, Hevra, this is all I have ever been trying to teach. And he said the words very loudly, he please, HaKadosh Baruch reveal it, reveal more. Show me that there's more in this moment than what my eyes are capable of seeing. Show me that there's more in me than my mind is capable of understanding. Show me that there's more in the other, in those that I love, in the world around me, that so often seems to be shallow in its externalities. Recovery is contingent and dependent upon the belief that there is always more to be uncovered. There is always an ode. There's always oid ma'atva in Russia. There's a little bit more that I need to move forward ever so slightly. And Be'ezra Sashem, as we continue, and we're going to, this is going to be a short introduction, Be'ezra Sashem. A short introduction in the sense that what we're going to try and talk about is the perpetuality of growth, the perpetuality of recovering, of moving forward ever so slightly, doing tshuva on tshuva. <clears throat> As Rabbi Nachman teaches us in the sixth teaching and the tzaddikim say over in the name of Rav Sajigon, the Rav Sajigon would be doing tshuva every day and his Talmidim said, Rebbe, you haven't done anything wrong. You haven't broken anything. Why are you doing tshuva? And Rav Sajigon says that what I was yesterday, I need to do tshuva on. What I conceived of as my closest my closeness to God yesterday is distance today because each and every day is one step further along the chain of connectivity to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and His infinite, unlimited light and capacity for goodness. And so my moichen from yesterday, my awareness of yesterday is considered katness, smallness in relationship to what I'm capable of doing today. And that call of tshuva is what keeps me awake. It's what propels me to move ever so slightly forward. And the world of tshuva and the world of recovering is driven by hope, it's driven by tikva, it's driven by all of the things that we learned about from Rav Kook and the Leshem and that Sadikim of Ishbitz and Radzin, that there's always something to uncover. Meshiloch says in Parshas Bereshis that Torah Hashem Tamima Meshivas Nafesh, the Torah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is perfect, it restores the soul. The Meshiloch says that that means that the prerequisite for Torah learning is to recognize that there's something lost. Meshivas nefesh, you return my soul, implies that I didn't have it previously. And the guiding principle of being a human being in the service of God in the process of recovering, of moving forward, of trying to extricate ourselves and pull ourselves out of whatever stuckness we encounter in our lives, is that hakaras al-chisar, that awareness that something is missing in my life. The Mittler Rebbe, Rav Dov Ber, <clears throat> who unlike many tzaddikim spoke spoke most intensely about these ideas, even writing a particular treatise for an alcoholic in recovery. The Mittler Rebbe has a, a very beautiful kuntris 
based on a, a statement in the Zohar HaKadosh, which says, <coughs> HaKadosh Baruch Hu Asya, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes and reveals Mashiach. And what's the purpose of Mashiach? Mashiach comes to help the tzaddikim return in tshuva, which is a paradox in terms, only balei tshuva need to do tshuva. But we also know that that in the place that the truly righteous stand, the repentant stands even higher. And the truly righteous can't stand in that place of the repentant because the awareness of coming from the darkness and moving upwards propels the soul into a state of desire that is more powerful, more potent, more intense than anything a tzaddik could have experienced, so to speak. Because it's only miklal the richuk and the distance and the mima amakim and the concealment that I need to intensify myself and multiply the force within me to move ever so slightly forward. And so even those of us who question our need for recovering, even those of us who question our need to move ever so slightly forward in our lives to uncover that mourness in us. So we understand that Mashiach comes specifically to teach those who feel that they're whole, that in truth they're broken in need of more wholeness. Benachman says the same thing, that a giloy alikus, a revelation of godliness, the revelation of a true tzaddik is to teach those who feel that they're far, that they're close, and to teach those who feel that they're close, that they're far to always ensure the capacity to move forward ever so slightly. And Be'ezrus Hashem, in the next shirim, in this series of shirim, we're going to learn different nekudos, different attitudes, different activities and mindsets that we can cultivate that help us in this process of recovering, of moving forward, on uncovering that which was hidden before and returning back to a place that we weren't ever zolcha to reach and that we could only reach it because we came through the darkness of our experience, Be'ezrus Hashem. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.